Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. Is it possible to create a multi-million pound business without losing your ideals, maybe even the ones you've had since childhood? Yeah, of course it is. When I was a kid and I'd run out the front door onto our wooden porch, which had a, uh, a wooden swing, porch swing, which I absolutely loved, I was on a simple, not fancy, but very community, like everyone knew everyone type of street with maybe 20 houses. And there would be loads of other kids outside playing and no parents. And we would just play together all the time, run up and down the street, play kick the can, hide and go seek. This is an invitation to meet Sasha Celestial One, the co-founder of Ulio, a sharing app created to reduce food waste and now doing a lot more. It relies on communities helping each other. You know, we didn't lock our doors, didn't, even, didn't roll, roll up our car windows. It was a very safe and sort of pleasant um, pleasant upbringing, really. I'm David Marlson, and this is a show all about giving your company a position, something it stands for, and how to keep it. And now I'm raising my son in London, and I do sort of feel nostalgic for some of that sort of simplicity that I grew up with. Although I'm looking outside my doors right now, and I've got a backyard, or I've got a garden, and we've got a big trampoline, so, and a cat. So it's not, it's not too different. I spoke to Sasha at her home. Let's start with Olio, the app itself. So this was founded in 2015 as a food sharing app, but, but over time it's developed, hasn't it? It's a lot more than just that. It has. Our mission when we started, and it's still the core of our mission today, was to put an end to food that's wasted in the home and local community. Introducing Olio, the food sharing app with a snap and a tap. Anyone can share their spare food with people nearby. But now, um, sort of, I guess, nearly seven years on, we are really thinking about how we can reinvent consumption at scale so that within our communities, we get the full value of all the resources that we possess, including food as well as what we call non-food, but those are household items. Megan hates waste, but she also hates having no space in the cupboard. If only she knew her neighbour, Ella, would love to have her spare things. Enter Olio. Really popular categories are cosmetics and kitchen products and toiletries and kids' clothes, toys, books, all of those kinds of things. And then within the last six months, we've launched a borrow section. So you can lend and borrow everyday household items you don't use very often. So everyone doesn't need to have a lawnmower within, on the same street. 
we can make it really easy to to lend and borrow. But how does that work in the current climate where we're concerned about social distancing, pandemic, people touching things, that kind of things? I mean, have you seen all your survive through that okay? The pandemic has been such a blessing in disguise for us. We saw as much sharing in the first five months of the pandemic as we'd seen in the first five years. First of all, we introduced safe sharing guidelines, you know, just like you could still get food delivered to your door or, you know, we we introduced guidelines so that people could have no contact um, exchanges. But what we saw was an outbreak in, in generosity and people became very aware of all the surplus that they have in their home and all the people in their immediate community who might benefit from the food or other household items that they have. And also people were stuck at home doing big clear outs, et cetera. So it's actually been really, really wonderful for us in terms of giving people the time and mental space to think about their consumption footprint and how they might want to, to live a little bit more of a planet-friendly, community-connected life. And as part of that, maybe because there is so much more concentration on the environment now, we had COP26 last year, lots of things are being said about it. Greta Thunberg has become an international icon, for example. Is that all feeding into people looking for things like Olio? Well, from a business perspective, so the way we monetize is that we recruit and train uh volunteers who collect unsold food that can't be donated to charities from businesses and then they bring that food home and they redistribute it on the app to their neighbors for free and we collect from about 5,000 businesses every week and have national contracts with Tesco and Pret-a-Manger and others and they pay us to recruit to basically help them get to zero edible store waste but the reason they pay us is because they have net zero targets um, or food waste reduction targets which have come from the external environment there's obviously much bigger sort of at the policy industry level, much more attention being paid to um, large organizations. And and any food business is not going to be able to achieve a net zero target without working with someone like us to help make sure that surplus food is eaten and not sent to waste. So you've got 5,000 businesses, you said, they're working with you. There must have been a point when it was probably like Five yeah. businesses working with you right there, right at the very Absolutely. beginning there. I think we, w- we would have been willing to pay them <laughs> to let us take their food away. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast who have got an idea for a business and they're listening for that kind of advice and, and how they kind of sustain it to grow it to that, to that kind of thing. I mean, when you were first doing Olio, how difficult was that? Just to, just the idea of, uh, is anybody going to use this, I guess? I mean, we're asking people to meet face-to-face to share items that often are perishable and maybe not worth very much. So it's quite a big ask. That said, it does feel really, really good to give something of value, especially food, to another human being. We are hardwired um, to feel good about that. And, and we all hate to throw away stuff that ha- that is still useful or perfectly edible. But... We basically listened to podcasts, read all the blogs, talked to all the marketplace founders we could, and we were on a very, very low budget for the first year. We were 100% bootstrapped, and we, we sort of did all of the growth hacks that you might think about. So in the beginning, when we first launched, to get our initial 2,000 people signed up, we stood on the street corner with a clipboard talking to passerbys for months, taking their name and their email and telling them about Olio. And if someone was really, really interested in what we were doing, because we would say on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you about Olio? And if someone said nine or 10, we said, please help us. Like, please. And that's where we got our first volunteers. So when we launched, we had 30 volunteers and their job 
was to manually intervene in the in the marketplace. So if someone had added something and it wasn't getting requested, then we would dispatch a volunteer to discreetly request that item and go along and pick up that item and basically ensure that the marketplace cleared. And, and it took a long time before we had to intervene in that type of way. Um, but I think the reality is with any business, and this is my second, like you just have to do whatever is within the scope of your capability. So it's like trying to um, build any new habit. It's the same when you're trying to achieve anything in business. You've got to break it down to the smallest actionable task that you can do today to just move forward, even if it's you know, one new person signs up today or one new meeting that you have. And like from success, from those little wins builds like momentum and confidence. And then it gives you more sort of wind in your sails to go onwards from there. So we got to where we are today through 10,000 small steps, not one big leap. Can you remember the first step? I mean, a lot's happened to all over the last seven years, but can you remember, I don't know whether you were like watching the analytics or, or keeping an eye on the app. Did What came up first? Well, I remember the proof of concept that we launched before the app came out, which was just a WhatsApp group with 14 strangers in North London um, that we set up to... Cause we, we had done some sort of basic market research and people said they'd use the app, but obviously what people say they're going to do and what they actually do is, you know, notoriously, those are two different things. So to prove that people would actually go to the effort of meeting up in real life to share food, we set up a proof of concept WhatsApp group with local strangers. And the first thing that was added was a bag of shallots. And I, Tess and I jumped for joy and two people requested it right away in the WhatsApp group. And we had 26 shares over a two-week period between these, uh, this group. And when we debriefed with everyone, um, they all said it just basically doesn't need to be that much different than a WhatsApp group. And that really helped us strip, strip out from our first version of the app, go right back to MVP, take out things like user ratings and a map view and all of these extra features that were very expensive and time-consuming to build and which weren't necessary at all for our early adopters. Has it ever been that exciting? Again, Absolutely. This summer, we raised quite a large round of financing, um, which we hadn't necessarily set out to raise, which was just beyond exhilarating. It's enabled us to make a massive investment into our team and to think about interna- going international, etc. Before that, about a year ago or so, we won the national contract for Tesco which is life-changing. There's an amazing app, Olio, that makes sharing spare food easier than ever. And with Tesco providing unsold food from stores all over the country. That means now even more neighbours can be helped and local community supported. And to think, you know, I pretty much stalked Tesco for four years. <laughs> Wherever Tesco or someone from Tesco was speaking, I was there like, hello. That persistence, I want, I'd like to believe, has paid off. But that, that was just, um, and I'm still incredibly grateful to Tesco for believing in us and t- when we were quite a small company. But yeah. Lots and lots of um, highs along the way. Yeah, very much not quite the small company anymore. So as I understand it, you raised around $43 million last year. Yes. That's a huge sum. That's That's a huge sum. How do you go into a negotiation for something like that without giving everything away, obviously? But I mean, when you're going in and you're looking for a very large sum of money, how do you get that? Well, I think it's probably the same in some ways as when you're trying to get your first um, investment at all. I think it's really important to understand who it is that you're speaking to, what it is that they're looking for, and re 
reposition sort of the narrative of your pitch to make sure that you address any sort of concerns um, head on. You know, a really simple thing that is helpful for this, for example, is there's lots of software programs that are either free or close to free where you upload your presentation, your pitch deck, and then when you send the link to a potential investor, you can see how many seconds that investor spent on each slide. So if they stop and spend two minutes on the financial projection slide, you know what, that's probably really important to them. If they skip over it and they spend a lot of time on the total market opportunity slide, and it can give you insight then into when you meet, if you send that to them in advance, for example, into what's, what's important to them. We had a litmus test, which is like investing in Oleo is um, it's quite an emotional investment, right? We're talking about solving like a really big global problem. And it's, what, it's a problem that's really quite hard to solve. And it's quite hard to monetize in some ways as well. But it's super important from an environmental perspective. 10% of global carbon emissions are due to food waste. And we have a billion people going hungry, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's heartbreaking. So what we found is that within the first sort of five or 10 minutes of a meeting with an investor, if they spontaneously shared an anecdote from their, from their life about how they like were really upset to see food waste or steps they'd taken, if they say, oh my God, when I was a teenager, I worked in a bakery and like they used to throw all the food away, but sometimes I'd steal it from my job and I'd take it home and I'd hand it out to people on the streets. Like those people are already bought in, right? Like that was ours to lose. And so finding whatever it is, the, those people that, and also we've, we've discovered for some, for some reason or another, about three-fourths of our users are female, and um, a lot of our investors are female as well. And I think there's some, something to be said about traditional roles in terms of um, the role women play in the house and in the kitchen, but knowing that has actually meant, meant we could be much more targeted in terms of who it is that we reached out to, to for investment, especially in the early days. Now, now... Now it's not quite so straightforward. Yeah, that's really interesting though. Does that surprise you that so many of your users and so many of your investors are female? I think not really. I think big sweeping generalization, but you know, there are still traditional gender roles in a lot of households. Tommy's year five or, you know, age five clothing is or is not sort of too small and needs to be like given away and like new clothing purchased. Like we just do tend to see that the, that on balance seems to be more of a sort of quote-unquote traditional gender um, decision. That said, we also see a lot of women um, using the app themselves, but then sending their spouse out to do the actual pickups. The hunter-gatherer there. (laughs) It's always good to take a break, so let's do that now. After the ads, we're going to get into ethics, how to choose who you partner with. If you're enjoying this conversation, hit your subscribe or follow button. We've got loads of really interesting guests that we'd like you to meet. If this is your first episode, you can go back to the beginning and let them all introduce themselves to you. Of course, a little rate and review from you will go a long way to helping this show grow its audience. And that encourages more of the people you're interested in hearing from to take part. We'll be back in a sec. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What I do think is interesting about Olio is that it's clearly been set up with ethics in mind here. Is that a minefield for you, though, when you're looking for funding? I mean, have you ever had to walk away from something because you've realised that the partner that you were looking at doesn't quite share your values? We've definitely chosen not to have conversations with investors who are clearly have no interest in, in the environment or actively making investments in, in companies that we think are probably taking the world in the wrong direction. But... Those investors generally aren't looking to us as an exciting investment either. So I think the confusion, especially in the early days before we were able to monetize, was are you really, because we're volunteer driven, like we've grown through volunteers as well. And so at first glance, you might mistake us for a charity. And so having to reassure investors that actually, no, Tessa and I, we might, you know, we're capitalists and we believe that we can use capital to have great positive impact in the world really quickly um, and at scale. I think there's been some sus- some suspicion about our sort of like how, how profit oriented we are, et cetera, or how commercial we are. But I think we've very clearly disproven that now. I think very much so now. But um, yeah. uh, did it make it harder for you to, to, to grow, especially in those early stages where maybe there weren't quite so many potential investors that you could go to? Or are we in a position now where companies with an ethical background and strong uh, morals can grow fast and can have opportunities? The answer is yes and yes. Um, I think we were one of the earliest sort of tech companies to come on the scene with an incredibly strong sort of social and environmental mission. Um, That said, now most funds have to demonstrate to their own investors that they have a strategy for environmental and social good and that they are committing um, you know, a significant portion, they've got quotas, right? In terms of like how much they have to, um, there's a lot of capital out there right now. And there's a lot of capital seeking opportunities where they can clearly demonstrate that they've got something that not only has a commercial 
um, potential, but also has impact potential. And the marriage of the two is the sweet spot for any startup right now. Why is this so important to you? Why did you set up a company that's making food sharing and the eradication of food waste so important? Because it's a really, really, really big problem that is makes no sense whatsoever. So 40% of all the food that we produce globally goes to waste. And um, to collectively, that's 10% of global carbon emissions. If, if food waste were a country, after China and the US, it would be the largest carbon emitter out of all the countries in the world. And it's completely senseless. We could feed everyone on the planet multiple times over. And this is just a matter of fixing a broken system. And I can see how we can do that, not just in our lifetime, but within this decade. And so the opportunity to have impact very quickly at scale is incredibly exciting. And it's where I'd rather spend my time rather than potentially working on a problem that I don't see how we'll get to an end of ever in our lifetime. And in case anyone wasn't aware, we're in the middle of a climate emergency and we've got less than 10 years to get our shit together, excuse my French, or we're, I'll, I'll save the F word that comes after that, but or there's a, a, we're beyond a point of no return. And like, I love humanity, if I'm being honest, and I want us to survive. And I want my son to have a, a, a bright future that's not you know, completely filled with like people escaping to go live on Mars and leaving everyone else to like burn to death. I'm being a bit dramatic, but actually like that's the world that I live in. Like that's the reality. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will have seen Don't Look Up on, on Netflix. This comet is what we call a planet killer. At this exact moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight and assess? Sit tight and then assess. The sit tight part comes first, and you gotta digest it. That's the assessment period. Which is a bit controversial, but I saw that movie and I'm like, that's how I feel sometimes. Like trying to raise awareness about a really big problem that we're all facing collectively. And we've, we've got to make it simple, easy, fun, safe, and just second nature for individuals to take small everyday actions that collectively at scale will reduce the pressure uh, that we're putting on our environment. And, and that's what Oleo aims to do. Of course, you come from, uh, I mean, you've described it as a hippie upbringing I've seen in, in some interviews. What kind of yeah. life, what, what, how, what, what was that upbringing for you, Sasha? Um, so I'm the oldest of six children. I grew up in a, sort of the middle of nowhere, rural um, America. And my parents were definitely hardcore hippies. They made up my last name. I was raised as a vegetarian. I was never vaccinated. I was born in a barn, you know, follow the Grateful Dead around. Um, but we also didn't grow up without, with a lot of money, at least for the first half of my life. And it was my job to help my mom make ends meet. And that meant following her around town and collecting things that other people threw away. And so that was sort of the genesis, really, if Oleo is about coming full circle. It's certainly coming full circle from a values perspective to the values I was raised with. But between Oleo and my childhood, I took a pretty big detour, which was you know, I didn't want to have that financial insecurity that I grew up with. And I sort of was probably overcorrected. And I was really, really focused on developing sort of a, a, a professional career that provided me with a lot of security. So I spent 13 years, I studied economics, I went to business school, and I spent 13 years working in investment banking and management consulting. And it wasn't until I became a mom myself that I started to sort of have that cliched reckoning. How do I want to spend my time? What, what kind of impact do I want to have on the world? And, and like, 
I just really, really felt a strong call to take my skills and experience that I'd, that I'd acquired and to put them towards something that was going to uh, make my son proud. Is your mum or your dad proud of you? Oh, um, I, I think so. I mean, I'm in my mid-40s now, so I don't too often get... Um, but yes, I just got an email from my mum last night saying she was proud of me, um, which I, I told my partner this morning. It still makes you smile. Um, but yeah, I think, that, I think they are. If you want to learn about Ulio, go to ulioX.com or look for their app on your app store. That's an invitation to meet. Start your week with us every Monday and let us and our guests help you grow your business. I'm David Marsland. It's been a pleasure to meet you.